Yo, welcome to another episode of Invite the Neighbors. This is your host, Brian Porter. Um, Benny set this one out. I did this episode over Discord with the lead singer of Sundressed from Phoenix, Arizona. Um, had a really good time with it. Hope you guys enjoy listening. Um, Sundress has a new record out. We talk about it. It's uh, very solidly put together, well produced, like punk, punk pop, rock type stuff. Um, I think I said it reminded me of like Newfound Glory in a way. It had a sort of ener- a lot of energy to it, but with lyrics that are very, I guess, modernized, more like mental health conscious rather than like breakup <laughs> conscious. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I enjoyed it, and I we had a really good in, uh, conversation. I, I felt like he had a lot of really solid insight, and we came up with some ideas on how to protect your van, uh, listening to hear those. Um, and overall, it was just a really good time. Uh, you know, I will be honest, like lately when I go to record these episodes, I, I feel kind of burnt out, and before I go to start, a lot of times I feel like, man, do I really want to do this today? Is there a reason I could cancel this? I'm just being straight up honest with you guys. Um, but once I start the episode, I'm always glad I did because I'm. It, it's always such a good conversation and it kind of refreshes me out of whatever funk I'm in. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's just personal aside, I suppose. But, um, you know, it, it means a lot to me that people listen to this and it means a lot that people um, want to come on this show. And I just want to give a shout out to... Becky at Big Picture Media, who hooked us up with this episode. Um, also, just want to give a shout out to Matt at uh, Earshot Media, who's been sending us some great art- artists and act. I mean, and just music industry people as well. I will say the last episode I recorded was one of the most insane episodes I've ever had. This guy named Lauren Israel, who literally like d- discovered Jimmy Eat World, um, and brought them to Capitol Records and spearheaded the recording of their record, Bleed American. Have you heard of it? Anyways, I recorded an episode with him, and it was fucking insane. Um, but that's all I'm going to say about that for now. I don't want to steal this episode's thunder too much because it, w- it was awesome, this one. And um, you should definitely check out Sundress and check out their new record. Um, it's on Spotify. It's streaming. You'll, you'll, you'll know. Um, and we talk about it, too, right in the beginning of the episode here. So... If you want to support the podcast, you can uh, obviously like, like, subscribe, rate, review on whatever strat platform you stream. Um, Patreon is always an option for the diehards. Patreon.com slash invite the neighbors. Give us whatever you want. So far, no one really has except for a couple people. And I thank those couple people. Um, but this isn't a cash grab by any means. It's just... And in the pandemic, I understand. A lot of people aren't even working. I'm not like begging. Obviously, I've been fine without the help, but if you really want to support the podcast, um, that is there as an option for you. Um, Twitter at ITN Pod, Instagram at Invite the Neighbors. You know what to do. You're a bunch of tech savvy people out there. Um, anyways, that's it for my rambling for now. Um, I know I was going to start doing some uh, Twitter reaction segments. I'm just not in the mood right now. It's Sunday night. I want to watch football. Um, it's a commercial break right now. I'm watching the Patriots and the Packers because I'm a dad. Um, even though I'm not a dad that I know of. <laughs> How many times do people make that joke, by the way? I'm not a dad that I know of. 
We oh ho 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 ho. You're not funny, dude. I mean, you might be funny, but that's not why. Anyways, <laughs> says the guy who literally just made that joke. Okay, whatever. Here is sundressed. Honestly, it's still super super fucky. Like it's like it might be nicer than Skype, but it's still super fucky. <laughs> um, like yeah. I'll let you know like if there's any issues or whatever. But I use two separate recording bots now because one of them would always shit out. And so now I have like a backup and the backup shits out sometimes. So not your problem, but <laughs> just so Okay, you know. I gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Um, so is it just you joining? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I will I'll have already said this in the intro that I will record in the future, but you're Trevor from Sundressed. Um yeah. <laughs> so I'm curious, like, what do you do in the band? Um, I'm the primary songwriter and singer of the band. Okay, dope. Yeah, I was listening through um, Home Remedy a little bit today. I uh, procrastinated on doing my homework. Um, oh, no worries. <laughs> just like real life. But um, yeah, so I mean, I'll get right into it. I mean, I, if, if you don't know anything about this podcast, uh, which a lot of people who will come on it don't, um, basically, it's very chill. It's very relaxed. Like, I'm already recording. Like, this will be in the episode. And it's it's very just um conversational like i'm i'm in a band and like i wanted to you know i was trying to think of a way to like make more connections and like talk to more people in bands without having to go to a million shows like you know like just randomly walk up to people and be like hi you know like i'm in bands too like let's be friends you know so yeah i totally get that (laughs) yeah yeah and like you know anxiety through the roof you know and um the podcast ended up being that for me so like i just try to talk like it's conversation between musicians just shooting the shit talking about usually someone's on here because i have something to promote so we'll talk about that but i um so i was listening like i said i was listening to um a little bit of home remedy today and it definitely like i'll give you my initial impressions of it and then i'll let you like kind of let me know how spot on or off i am with this but like yeah it definitely it gave me like like i grew up listening like the first record i ever bought was like sticks and stones by newfound glory and it it definitely gave me like the like like the pop punk vibes you know but i think Mm -hmm. there's this interesting thing that's going on not just with you guys but i've noticed in a lot of lyrics that like back in the day like that type of music was the lyrics i felt like were really dominated by like relationships you know talking about mm-hmm. girls talking about things like that where now it's more about introspective things and i feel like mental health has become a big topic and that, that seems to be like a way uh, something that you touch on in your lyrics in like yeah. a tongue and sh- tongue and cheek sort of way and i'm just curious like how how big is um mental health things like that in terms of like your songwriting um definitely definitely really important for me to like most of my songs are super personal and autobiographical and I've been through a lot personally and, it, and music and this band has kind of been my, my therapy to get, like I, I went through addiction in my early twenties or late teens, early twenties. I've been sober 11 years now. So it's been nice. like, it's been a big, um, kind of outlet for me through that. And, you know, I've, I've dealt with mental health problems and, we've kind of like built a community between like people who dig the band and 
it's kind of well, you know open and supportive that way. So that's that's a really cool part about it for me. Yeah, that's actually um, well, it's really awesome, and I can I can relate. Like I, um, I'm glad that you brought up the addiction thing because I was I wasn't going to ask like, were you ever addicted to anything? But I, I definitely <laughs> noticed in the first song like. Um, you know, you might mentioning like all these different like like amphetamines, like opioid blockers. I'm like, when I, when I, once I heard opioid blocker, I was like, okay, <laughs> this this dude's done his research. Like this dude's got experience because like <laughs> yeah. I've I've definitely had like addiction issues. You know what I mean? Like I was prescribed Adderall in, in high school and college, and you know, like it, it got out of hand. Let's just say, and um, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, I'm also sober myself now. Don't have a lot of years. I'd be can't wait to have 11 years that'd be great um <laughs> but you know i think that is really important and i to you know i love that it's it's not like taboo to be out in the open about it anymore it's like the people yeah. who are gonna knock you for being open on it like they're the problem now at least like in, in a lot of people's eyes which i think is great um <laughs> and i, I i'm just I want to know if like, if this is your experience too. So like I'll write lyrics myself that are kind of like introspective and it'll touch on like some darker topics like addiction or depression or whatever. And something you said struck a chord, like how it's just like, it's very therapeutic to write about those things. Like for me, it's like, I feel like I'm okay because I write about those things. You know, like if I wasn't writing about like these dark things and these dark places I've been to, then I wouldn't have that outlet and I maybe wouldn't be okay. But people like my friends will like read my lyrics or listen to the songs, but like, are you okay? They're like concerned. <laughs> I'm like, no, trust me. Like I'm good because I do this stuff. I'm just curious if that kind of rings a bell. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, it's, it's really hard for me to write stuff that's not personal. Um, and I've, I've definitely had those moments where like I read back and it's like, Oh man, like, like sometimes I don't realize what it was about until after the fact, you know? Um, yeah, but it's, it's, I, I totally like when, what you said about how you feel okay because you do it. I can totally relate to that because it, it is therapy and it's especially, it's kind of freeing to like, put it into a song that other people are going to hear, you know, and it's just like, that's out there now. <laughs> yeah. And I think too, like, it's not like my, my band, I don't even have like a release out. I just finished tracking on our first record. So this isn't like an issue for me. I'm just kind of like imagining how, mm. this, how it might go. But I think like the bigger you get, my theory would be like the less, for me it feels like anyways like the less scary it would be for people to hear these personal things because like the bigger you are like the further out your band branches like the less personal connection people have to you so it's like me like putting out a first record like knowing that the main base of people who are going to hear it are going to be like close friends people who already know me so mm -hmm. i'm really afraid for them to hear <laughs> the personal stuff but like if if i was dropping a record and a million people were hearing it in the first week or something like I wouldn't be afraid because those people don't know me at all. And they're not even really, you know what I mean? Like there's not really yeah. much, uh, I'm, I don't care if like strangers <laughs> think a certain yeah, thing about yeah. it. If they're <laughs> listening to it, it's like, that's all I really care about. So I think it's, I don't know. Do you feel that as well? Like, are you like nervous about like strangers hearing about that? Or do you think it's more just like the people who already know you kind of being concerned um, or whatever? You know, I've, I've honestly never like, put it into, into perspective that way but like i think 
definitely the the scariest is people that I know, you know, and um, yeah, it's it's scary for like people you don't know to listen to it for different reasons, but um, but yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> no, yeah, I think like yeah. other people, it's scarier because like people who don't know you don't care like if say like someone writes a bad review or like say someone like says something like snarky like oh they suck you know what i mean like not yeah, to say that yeah. about you but like it's i feel like that's what i would be more afraid of from strangers because like they don't give a shit about your feelings at all one way or the other you know yeah yeah totally <laughs> totally but um where are you guys from by the way uh phoenix arizona based Oh shit. Okay. For some reason I was thinking Illinois. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's weird, dude. Like when I started I feel like project, we associate with bands from like the Midwest and East Coast more than what I feel like there's just less maybe not less of a scene, but it's it's more spread out on the West Coast cuz there's not like it's a longer drive to each city, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we do we do have like I'm in Detroit, well the Detroit mm-hmm. area. People in Detroit would get really pissed off if they heard me say that. So I had to clarify that <laughs> I'm not in Detroit. Um, I'm 10 minutes away. So, um, but yeah, like here in the Midwest, we we're kind of spoiled, you know, like it's easy yeah. to plan a tour and yeah. get a bunch of dates and, you know, it's, you know, within two, three, four hours, you know, you hit another market. You don't have to really go that far. To, like, totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like where, where like being in phoenix like are you just like is like the main thing for bands out there to like try to hit california and like run up like the cities on the coast of california or do you guys try to hit like central america i'm like kind of like not central you know you know what i mean yeah um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like what, what's like a common route for bands around from your area um usually like because we we've been touring for a few years now and like we we and are have been able to go out to the east coast so we usually like instead of doing a full u.s tour we'll do like our up the coast of california and then like kind of a quick loop like through colorado and utah maybe nevada it's hard to get booked there and and home so that that usually takes about two weeks and then for east coast we usually kind of start in texas and do a loop and then end back in texas oh okay yeah. and so you would so say you've been touring for a few years like starting out did you guys all were you like full diy at first or did you like, yeah how, def- did, how did you guys get into touring um definitely totally diy like i was um some friends of mine had started a diy space that was like a warehouse space that was also our practice space and we, <laughs> nice. yeah we, we met a lot of bands that way and um I think, yeah, we just decided to just, like, kind of try a DIY tour and did, just from people we had met and friends helping, we kind of, like, pieced together this awful West Coast tour. And then just, I just loved it, even though it was horrible, so I kept doing it. Um, I ended up booking our, I think in 2016, I booked us a six-week DIY tour, full U.S. And it was... It was gnarly. It was the best time, but like just shows canceling. No one, you know what I mean? Just the classic. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
Like, I think our first drummer was, like, over it by the end of that. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and we, we do have, like, a, a booking agent now, which is really, really cool. Yeah, yeah. Because I saw you guys are signed to, what, Rude Records, I think? Yeah, yeah. That, that's pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah, it's, it's definitely... I mean, it's when I first started this podcast like a year ago, it was a full on basement operation. It was very DIY. It still is. Like, I, it's just me and uh, my co host who isn't here today, but it was just me at first. And like, I would just, you know, I would play with bands and then I would like record episodes in the basement of DIY venues where we were like playing the show. Like, like I would just bring my shit. Like, if I was going to play a show with a band or something, I would like hit them up be like hey i do this podcast too we're playing a show together would you want to be on my podcast so we would like i'd set up like my laptop in the basement before the show and then but what i'm, what I'm getting at is like it's really cool to be getting like bands through their publicist now it's really weird like i feel yeah. <laughs> like normally like i've i would have like talked to the bands like a, a bunch of times and that would be like the basis for them coming on the podcast but like you guys <laughs> uh uh, there's like a couple different like big picture media, which I'm pretty sure is you guys, and then mm-hmm. um, earshot media. Like they'll send me bands now that are like usually signed and usually like promoting a new record. So it's really awesome, and I really appreciate those guys, and I appreciate you guys coming on. Um, That's awesome. It, I can I can relate because it's weird to have a publicist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I was you know I was talking to Big Picture about because I I interviewed Becky. Um, on on an episode of the podcast because i thought it'd be interesting for people to hear like what is it that a publicist actually does you know like you you hear like about bands getting a publicist and it's like this unicorn you know for a diy band you get a publicist like ooh, look at you you know (laughs) um i'm just curious what they actually do um and so i'm just kind of curious for my own purposes because like i said i just finished tracking my first record and i when i put it out i want to get you know, I want people to hear it. So, you know, obviously a publicist is like a route to getting people to hear your shit. But like, is that something that you guys got through the record label? Um, was it like, I'm curious, like, what was the, um, what was the path for you guys, like from DIY to where you are now? Because I think a lot of bands that are just starting out are really curious about like, you know, how to like, what are the steps? You know what I mean? So I think it'd be curious to, um, hear that for you guys. Yeah. Um, let me see. So we like, we put out a single that randomly got picked up on a couple blogs and like early on. And I got contacted by some industry people that were like, uh, one guy was a manager, one guy was booking agent. And basically they kind of quickly realized that like, I didn't have my shit together at all. Like we just put out this one song (laughs) And I didn't like, I didn't know anything about touring, but that kind of like opened me up to like, oh, like maybe like these songs are good and we could do something with them. So, um, we did stay in contact with that manager and he kind of guided us a little bit. And, um, and from, from there, uh, we, uh, started working with DIY labels. Um, the first one was take this to heart records. And then, um, and then one called Animal Style Records, and um, that Animal Style Records put out like our first LP, and then um, 
then we got a manager and a booking agent kind of after that record came out. Um, there was like a little bit of hype on it. And we, we got to do some like decent touring that year. And then since then we've, uh, we weren't with a label and we wanted to make this second record and we ended up self-funding it and we ended up sending it around and Rude actually sent an offer, which we were super stoked about. So that, this is like the first kind of like not completely DIY label we've worked with. Um, oh, okay. But we, we have had the same booking agent since the first record came out. Um, so yeah, I guess it was kind of like agent manager for a couple of years and then the bigger label. But Gotcha. Well, how is it, how is it that you got that, that first song? Like what was, what was the kind of like the feeling before, like when you just like, what were the expectations when you put that out? Like what were like before it got picked up by those blogs or whatever, like, I'm curious, like, what was the strategy, if any, like, when you just had, like, that <laughs> one song that you're putting out, like, what were you thinking at the time, like, expectations, plans, and then, like, what actually happened? Yeah, I mean, at the time, um, I was kind of, like, transitioning the sounds, because I, I kind of had a project that was, I, I was still called Sundress, it's, it's kind of been my songwriting project forever, um, but we were way more of, like, a kind of a folk rock outfit like very bright eyes influence kind of stuff and um yeah and like i kind of i got really into the emo revival stuff when it was coming back and because i had grown up on a lot of that stuff too and um so we kind of shifted and this was like the first kind of more punk song that we put out and um i mean i didn't all i had aspirations were were like playing fun shows at home at that time you know um yeah so to like get these emails, they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, you know, send us like your touring history and blah blah blah." I'm like, <laughs> uh. <laughs> "But well, that's um, I mean, that, yeah. Oh, well, go ahead, go. Ahead, I'll let you finish." But oh, I was gonna say, I think how it it got heard was um, the guy who filmed the video, uh, old friend of mine, Corey. He, I think he he had worked on like a Warp tour or something, and he showed it to some of his friends because he really liked the song. And I, th I think that's how, like, it got around a little bit. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, like, one, you know, never hurts to have a connection. I think a lot of people, like, you know, they'll, there's, like, a, a certain, like, taboo around, like, oh, well, you know, you just know somebody or something like that. It's like, yeah, that's how it works. Like, you should yeah. try to, you should try to know people. Like, you should try and, like, that's, dude, I'm very transparent about the fact that, like, that's the biggest reason why i wanted to do a podcast was because like i wanted to know more and more people you know yeah. like if you want to be connected in the if you want this to be your career you know like don't you want to know who the people are you know like that's i mean that's my thought but like um so there's that and then it was just it's just funny though also that you you mentioned like they were like hitting you up with emails and like wanting to know your touring his history. I think that like, while that might feel like a, like caught with your pants down moment, like, Oh yeah. Shit. It's also a great spot to be because that like from like art artistically, you know what I mean? Like you're oh, yeah. that, that shows you that like, Oh shit, I haven't even thought about that, but I feel like that's a, it's gotta be a major confidence booster, you know? Oh, like, oh. yeah, absolutely. It was just like, 
I feel like we just hadn't gotten that far in the band really that like I didn't I didn't know how to like do anything but like maybe cold email a label or something you know what I mean so like yeah it kind of just opened me up to like want to research it and I was like oh cool like bands go on tour and they book their own tours and like um started talking to some local bands here that I knew who had toured and that that's kind of how like I got the itch so to speak I guess yeah <laughs> and yeah um yeah because like I remember like growing up like going to every warp tour and stuff and like always thinking like okay this is gonna be my life one day but i never really thought i mean first of all warp tour was over before i ever had a band but <laughs> um <laughs> but i never really thought it through like i never really understood what the um logistics would be i just thought yeah. like I'll buy an interface and then I'm so good at, at 17. This is my thought process. Like I'm so good <laughs> that I'll just record it and people will hear it. And then naturally it'll just get passed around like a hot potato on the internet. And that'll be it. I'll get signed by like fueled by ramen and that'll be good. You know, and then <laughs> yeah. you grow up and you're like, Oh, kind of like when you realize like at 12, like you're not going to play in the NHL because you, your parents can't afford to put you in travel leagues. You know what I mean? Like when you're yeah. like the, <laughs> the ridiculous dream just dies and then you realize like oh you have to actually work for it um oh, yeah uh-huh. but, but that's like what is interesting about doing this podcast for me though is like just asking you know like i like hearing from bands about like what worked for them and it's so interesting mm-hmm. to hear because everyone has a slightly different story you know like mm-hmm. and you know i find that really just it's always fun to hear the different things that you know kind of what totally. worked for bands and like what didn't and so on the topic of what didn't work um i'm curious i like to ask bands that have like a decent amount of touring history like if they have any like horror stories or if they don't have any touring horror stories like if things that just went terribly wrong and like how they overcame it or just like if they don't have any of that then like just like weird like weird towns, like weird shows, like weird venues or just like whatever comes to mind when I ask that question. So curious if you got anything for that. Oh yeah, definitely. I'll tell one quick funny story and then a longer sad one. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so like what always pops into my head is like, like we like escaped a really difficult situation. Um, we used to have a guitar player in the band who was just like, if he was like hungry, he would be so cranky and like just, you know what I mean? Just like yeah. very difficult to work with. And we wanted yeah. to, we wanted to stop and see Niagara Falls because it was our first time in upstate New York. And we were like looking, we were there and we were trying to park. And for or our guitar player was like insistent that there was closer parking. And long story short, he gets us onto a one way road to the Canadian border. <laughs> And none of us had passports with us or anything. So, like, if we basically had to, like, illegally do a U-turn and drive on a one-way road the wrong way so we didn't have to go through customs. (laughs) That's awesome. That was just, like, a big, like, tensions are so high, and then this just made it so much higher kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then... um, (laughs) The probably the roughest thing that can happen on a tour. One of the roughest things happened to us, which was, uh, 
we're actually on a tour with um, the singer-songwriter Chase Hugland, and he was in our van with us. And um, we were staying at a hotel in Salt Lake City, Utah, and we came out, and our complete trailer was gone. Our whole trailer got stolen. Oh, fuck. So that was... It was like... And since we were just such a DIY band at the time, still are, but we, like, tour was over. There was no, you know what I mean? There was no finishing that one. Um, But it did end up being, like, really cool how, like, the kind of DIY community came together and, like, even bigger bands jumped on. It was, like, we we had a GoFundMe going and it ended up raising, like, $8,000. And like, oh, that's pretty cool. Just from like our our post on Facebook, like it had the that week we had the most reach our Facebook has probably ever had to this day. <laughs> but, wow! Um, it was it was at the time when that was happening a lot, and um, so that that really like saved us in like a super dark time because you know it, it happened when we were on a tour playing basements. It wasn't like. <laughs> And right, those were like right. the, the only guitars we had, you know. Right. Um that's like the scariest thing to me. And like when like when I told my dad that like I really wanted to just like play music and you know, I gave him like the plan, like this is how you actually because when I told my dad, he's very much like, you know, go to college, all this stuff, which I did, and then after I graduated it was when I decided like, no, fuck this, I have to play music. And so in order to like convince him of it, I had to like let him know like what the not that i need his permission but yeah i just want him to like not give me shit all the time so like i was just trying to you know explain to him that it's realistic if you have a plan so i was explaining like all the touring that you need to do and all this and that was like his main concern was like you know people are gonna steal your shit and i just feel like i'm terrified of that and there's so many people i've heard that that's happened to and once that happened to you like now that it has happened to you, I mean, like, not that you're touring right now, because nobody is, but, like, <laughs> since then, like, have you, are there any preventative measures that maybe bands should know about, like, rookie mistakes that lead to that type of stuff, or is do you just literally just have someone guard the van at all times? What, honestly, what I've learned, like, like, we did get, like, like, an extra lock on the hitch to make the lock, like, lock stuff like that but i think really the main thing is um is being really careful where you park like if you're if you're staying the night somewhere and some kid says you can stay at their house but it's like not in the best area or near a major street you know maybe just sleep in the van have someone sleep in the van that night but um uh usually like what we would do is we would try to try to find a place to stay that's like a little bit outside of town or um like if we if we didn't have anywhere to stay in the city that was safe we would drive an hour towards the next city and get a cheap motel like in some small city you know but yeah i um, I was thinking like even like at motels like is there any do you, do you like try to make sure that they have cameras or something or yeah that of course the one we were at at the time like their cameras were broken it, it was a big situation um but yeah 
It was also snowing that night. I don't know how they pulled it off, but <laughs> wow. Um, um, but yeah, like we'll also try to back up into a spot and kind of like up to a wall if oh. we can, you know, stuff like that. Um, try to park like as close to the room as possible. Um, not being seen off a major highway, stuff like that. But, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I was thinking too, like they have like technology now where like they have like these surveillance cameras that are like um Wi-Fi, you know, or Oh yeah, can, yeah, yeah. You can have on your phone. Like I think I would probably do that. I literally just had that thought while we were talking. Like <laughs> like what if I it's like my stepdad bought this place up north and they have a bunch of surveillance surveillance cameras and you can just mount them anywhere. I'm like what if you just mounted it on the back of your trailer? <laughs> maybe That's, maybe that yeah. would be worth it. <laughs> They're like a hundred bucks. Idea. <laughs> yeah, they're like a, like a hundred bucks, and you can get them at like Walmart or Best Buy or whatever. But yeah. so that's funny. I just I, uh, a little off topic, but with the camera things, my my current job right now is I clean pools, and every now and then I'll get a text from my boss saying like the owner of the pool said you didn't empty this basket or something, and I'll have like just been leaving the pool and no one's at the house, and I'm like. They're probably looking at their cameras and they're so bored that they're like seeing what the pool guy is doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's funny. That's honestly, that sounds like a pretty chill job, to be honest. Like it, if if people are cool about it, I guess. Yeah, it's it's definitely been tough in the summer here in Phoenix because it's it's hot as hell. Um uh yeah. But yeah, it's it's kind of nice in the sense that like I I just drive a truck by myself all day and I'm working by myself. I can have headphones in, you know, and I yeah. gener- generally don't like actually talk to people because no one ever comes in their backyard. So it's it is kind of chill. It's it's more physically demanding than jobs I've worked in the past, but it's it's kind of like getting paid to get in shape a little bit, honestly. Yeah, so, <laughs> no complaints yeah. really. <laughs> Are they like yeah. cool about like letting you take work off and stuff for touring and do they, seems... do they know you play music and stuff? Yeah. My, my buddy who's in another band actually got me the job and he, he told me that he got like paid time off from it. So I was like, Oh fuck. Yeah. That would be, that would just be a dream. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty rad. Like I'm thinking about like, once this pandemic is over, if that ever happens, like getting a job I work for the state state of Michigan right now. And like, I get good benefits and everything. And like, I do get paid time off, but I only get so much, but I was really thinking about being like an Uber driver or something. Cause I, I guess you can make pretty good money doing that. And in theory, you know, you could literally never have to ask anyone for time off ever. If you were like in a band that was like seriously touring, hardcore you know and you could literally just uber and shit as much as you need to when you're not touring to pay your bills and then once tour starts you can just go (laughs) you don't have to tell yeah you know totally but yeah who knows if that would work i mean obviously there's like there's the risks associated with uber and all that and people Mm -hmm. puking in your fucking back seat or whatever but true but yeah (laughs) But, um, yeah. curious too. um, 
I do bounce around all all over the place on this podcast. I'm super no ADD. worries, dude. <laughs> like I said, was prescribed Adderall. Can't take it, so I am just unmedicated ADD all the time, which is a lot of fun. You should try it. Some <laughs> out people out there, <laughs> but um, lyrics. I love. I, I'm a big lyric nerd, and like I was saying, like I really, I liked. I could relate with um some of the stuff you're writing about, and I'm just curious, like if there was any. Like growing up, did you have any like bands or lyricists in particular that you were influenced by, or like lyricists that you really like? Yeah, um, easily my favorite is Connor Oberst of Bright Eyes. He's kind of like what made me want to write songs because um, I always liked writing lyrics, but I didn't think I would like be a good enough singer, or you know. Um, wouldn't be able to write melodies and stuff like that. And he was just the first artist I heard that was like the lyric mattered more than anything else. Like some of the yeah. songs could have like seven verses and like the melody might not match perfectly, but that's okay because he put in what he wanted to say. And he didn't have a great singing voice when he started, but it like, it sounded good because it was authentic to him. Um, yeah. So that was always big for me. Um, I also love, um, Saves the day, Chris Connolly. Um, oh yeah, more more from from a melody standpoint, he's he's just incredible at melodies, but also how he can fit exactly what he wants to say into those beautiful melodies. You know, it's really cool. Yeah, yeah, those yeah, those I, are probably my two two big ones for lyrics. I think. Yeah, Chris Connor Oberst. Yeah, that, that's that's like a a hand down no brainer for me too. Uh, mm. like I remember, I, it took actually took me a hot minute to get into them because I didn't like his voice at first. Like when I first mm -hmm. heard like w "Wide Awake It's Morning," I was, you know, I wasn't, I was too young to really dive into like the indie shit. Like I was, I just mm -hmm. wasn't cool. I wasn't big enough of a hipster yet. I was still too <laughs> cool. You know, I was listening to like My Chemical Romance and shit, um, mm. which you know I still do. Secretly, <laughs> <Same>. but uh, <laughs> three cheers for sweet revenge gets played like at least three times a year. Um, <laughs> Love it, yeah. But um, yeah. But like, I started to appreciate it because I was like a huge like poetry nerd in general when I was in high school too. And I realized like just reading the lyrics without listening to the songs, I was like, oh my god, this guy's a genius. You yeah, know, yeah. And I, mm -hmm. and then you get past it, and then you know. It, he started to really come into his own. I feel like, you know, like some of the records, like uh, Casadega, like that is just a fucking masterpiece. Where it's like his voice, you know, it's one. I think it gets better, but also like it, the arrangements are so complex. There's so much going on that like it's it's just masterful. Agreed um, completely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's just wild. Say uh Saves the Day was one that like I saw them live with Say Anything. Say Anything was like Max Beam is like uh Say Anything is a real boy, like lyrically. That was like the holy grail for me when I was I keep talking about high school for some reason. <laughs> but like I remember like that record particularly just being like I was like, Holy fucking shit, this guy's amazing. Yeah, I I am a big Max Bemis fan too. I I love I've always loved how he was like willing to sing like weird names or like quirky words that like didn't really like people 
don't really sing those words usually. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, he's always had like a bit of like, kind of like, obviously rage, but also like sass. Yeah. yeah, I've always loved that about him. (laughs) Yeah. Like the song, uh, admit it at the end of his real boy. It's like, he's like not even singing half the time. He's just using like that, like snarky, like snarly voice and just like (laughs) completely owning people. I was like, Oh my God, he's a genius. (laughs) 19 at the time. What am I doing with my life? dude? Like I feel, yeah. Yeah. So like, um, speaking of what am I doing with my life? Like, how do you, how have you guys managed like as a band through like the pandemic and everything? Have you just kind of complete pause on the operations or, cause I mean, I, I don't know exactly when your record came out, but what, was it in the middle of the pandemic? Um, yeah, it actually just came out two weeks ago, not even oh, two dope. weeks, I think. Um, so that's been that's been a blessing because we recorded it last year so we had a full record and we like we signed the deal with reed like end of february so it was like right before all this hit so we had Uh, all all these plans but you know we they still wanted to release it um they felt like a lot of the songs would be like relatable to like what people were going through and stuff so i've honestly been busy um because we couldn't like do a lot of the music videos we wanted to do because of COVID. So we had to get super creative and do like, we did one where everyone in the band just filmed their parts, like at their own house with their phones, like yeah. um, stuff like that. And um, I also got um, a friend of mine is, is a big like Twitch, Twitch streamer guy. And he helped me kind of figure out how to set up like a quality stream for for music for us so um like the whole month of the record we did different themed nights where we would like uh we did one that was all covers but instead of just like me playing acoustic we like kind of um recorded full band covers remotely and made little like oh, kind, of, kind of videos and like so it's just like kind of like getting to like narrate a little show instead of just doing the acoustic thing. So I've, I've been trying to get creative with that. Um, we actually started a discord server for the band too, which not a lot of bands that I know of have them, but they're, it's been really cool. Like it's, you know, we, we don't have a huge audience, but like the people that do dig the band are super supportive. So yeah, it's, it's cool to like, like kind of offer that connection where we can just like, there's like a, there's like a meme chat in there where they're all like making memes about the band and stuff. It's, it's cool. It's That's like, it's gotta be sweet. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like a different kind of way to connect because you, you can't like talk to people at the merch table right now. Yeah. Um, and then, um, I think... we, Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say we, uh, we were planning on ending it with a, like a big full band show we rented out our favorite venue here in phoenix and um we we're gonna live stream that like we we're gonna have like figuring out how to make it sound good and all that and our guitar player broke his arm like three days before it. <laughs> oh that sucks <laughs> yeah so he's i guess it's he found out it's just a fracture so he's gonna be able to play not in not too long so we'll be, we'll be able to do it then 
It was so oh, funny. Okay. He, he like sent us because it's his right hand. He's right handed. And he sent us a video of him with like a, th- a thumb pick on with this little cast. And he was saying he could just play with his thumb. <laughs> we're like, no, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is yeah, the first right. time people are going to like hear the new songs live. We'd, we don't want you to play him with. He's our lead player, too. So we're like, yeah, <laughs> don't don't play with it. <laughs> It's not like you're just doing like palm mutes and you can just chug along, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's funny. Yeah, I was <laughs> going to say like like the one I feel like not to sound like overly positive about something that's so obviously negative in terms of like the pandemic, but like I think, you know, there's definitely merit to like finding silver linings in this and I feel like there's been a few and I think one of them is that it's it forced people to get creative in that way, but I feel like a lot of the things that you that you do like the discord server would be a great example is like yeah like that's a great solution for the time we're living in now but it's also something that will work great even under normal circumstances you know what i mean like you might not have had the idea for the discord server without the pandemic or something but when it once it's over now you still have like this like hang out for bigger fans of your band that like yeah. why like why would you ever get rid of that you know what i mean yeah exactly so that that is definitely a, a positive and like even just learning how to how we could like make these cover videos because our uh our like the guitar main guitar player right with the one that broke his arm he actually lives in san diego so we're like somewhat of a remote band already mm. so like how we used to write is I would drive out to San Diego and we, we'd like work in his little practice. He has like a little studio set up at his practice space and we would just like demo all weekend. And then I drive back home, you know, cause I'm, I'm not yeah. a very, very um, like recording savvy person at all. Um, but it kind of forced me to like learn how to at least record a, a vocal decently. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I hear you on there at one. For me, it's like the the Rode NT1A <laughs> condenser <laughs> microphone is is my best friend. Like I that that thing, like you don't even you don't have to be smart to like make something sound good. For those things, um, yeah. <laughs> or and like one of that, and like one of those little focus rights, uh, focus right Scarlet interfaces, like that is like those two things together. You can make any acoustic thing sound good, but um, but I'm. Honestly, I'm just like what you just said, though, like in terms of recording savviness and everything like I that's one of the reasons my band doesn't have anything out right now is because I refuse to put out like a home recording as, like as an official Fair. thing because because I know it'll be terrible. Like some people are good at it. I'm not knocking home recordings in general. I, uh-huh. I just know that like. I'll never be happy with something I do like that, you know, like I totally. it's like I have yeah. to put it in someone else's hands. So I found like a producer I really liked and. I'd rather honestly just spend the money on the producer and like drop a few G's on something I know is going to sound great versus like spending much less money, but constantly be inside my head thinking like, Oh, this sucks. Or like, Oh, this could have sounded better. You know what I mean? Especially if it's something that you plan to have the rest of your life. I say it's just worth the money, but that's, could just be me justifying me spending the money but <laughs> you know oh, i'm i'm completely with you like i've i've always been you know an advocate for putting like investing in your recording and i personally think it's like not that i like 
need or want someone to like outside of the band to write with me, but having, having a producer who's really into your project and kind of putting their own like style on the, on the production is like, in my experience, it's, it's opened up my songs to things like didn't know they could be, you know? Yeah. It's, it's going to make them better. Like, if yeah. you, like you said, if you find the right fit, like you can't let your ego get in the way. You know what I mean? Like, like you, I, I agree with what you said. Like you don't want necessarily want someone to write with you because in that department, I'm very much like uh, very protective, you know, and I'm, mm-hmm. I, I definitely know what I want and I'm very like anal about it. But I think a lot of people could probably relate to that, but I, I would caution anyone against not letting a producer do their thing you know like if you Mm -hmm. feel like you if you feel nervous and apprehensive about what a producer is doing you might not be with the right producer you know like you might need to find someone who understands what you're doing better and and then feel comfortable letting them do do their thing you know totally Mm -hmm. where did where did you guys record and um did you guys like choose a producer or was like, did the label hook you up with one or how, how did that process? Mm -hmm. Well, basically what happened is um, when we were first starting to talk about making this record, we were with a label that we thought was going to fund it. And they actually had us drive out to LA to meet a few producers. And um, we fell in love with this guy, Mike Pepe. And then the label fell apart. Um, so there was no money to make the record and, but we still wanted to make it with Mike so bad that we toured for another year and did some shows. We did a little fundraising, just saved up and ended up doing it with him out in LA. Oh, that's cool. And I'm so he just like became like, he wanted to do it as bad as we did, but obviously he, you know, he rents at a expensive studio in Hollywood, blah, blah, blah. Like we had to, we had to pay him what he was worth. But we, yeah. over the process of even like getting the money together, we became really good friends with him, and um, it, it was a really cool experience. And the the studio that he rents out of is, um, it's called Barefoot Studios, and the guy who owns it has done like all these crazy records, like the first Third Eye Blind record, and like no oh, doubt, wow. like Taking Back, like big Taking Back Sunday records. Um, so like just being in that room was was a trip, and um, the guy we worked with had also worked with Taking Back Sunday before, so it was kind of right up our alley. And um, yeah, so yeah, yeah it was. It, it ended up being taking way longer, just mostly because of money and from like like we couldn't afford to just be there the whole time. So it was kind of like we got the demos really good how we wanted them, and then. Uh, our drummer went out to LA one week and tracked drums. Like I went out for a week, tracked vocal. It was kind of like, uh, yeah, we, yeah. we had piece, to like, piece bear- yeah, exactly. So it was, um, like we, we had all like, including the producer had been listening to demos and going back and forth for like almost a year previ- prior to recording. So by that time we were all so familiar with the songs that it wasn't that weird. Like I, I trusted everyone that was working on it, you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, it was definitely, it was definitely a lot of work. Um, but I'm really happy with how everything came out. It feels like, like the most like authentic 
sound for this band so far. So, yeah, and I was going to yeah. comment on the production value of it. You know, it's it sounds really good. Like it just sounds really Thanks. crisp and like, yeah, yeah, and like the vocals definitely like with like your music you know you don't need me to tell you this it's very lyrically driven you know what i mean like the lyrics being heard are important and mm-hmm. they they are heard you know what i mean like they're not drowned out like I, I can't stand when like a band or you know it's not the band's fault a lot of the times but it's like the production like they're very lyrically heavy but like you can't hear the lyrics because they're so a band's so loud around it or something it's like what's the mm-hmm. point of you know, like, I don't want to have to sit there, like, literally reading the booklet along, you know what I mean, in order yeah. to know what you're saying, if if the lyrics are up at the forefront. So I think, like, your guys' sound, yeah, I mean, you already know this, it, it sounds good, and I think people, I'll plug you real quick, you know, it's on Spotify, it's called Home Remedy, check out, check that out on Spotify, just dropped. Um, but yeah, um, I think, I think that about covers it, to be honest. Um, cool, I'm just gonna just, see yeah again i appreciate you coming on and um if you ever come tour through uh michigan if like if you hit detroit or something like we we love doing in-person episodes like that's generally like was the hallmark of the podcast like bands would like come through and like do like a tiny desk performance type thing and oh so that's would, super like, cool yeah yeah so, like that's that's kind of what like our main episodes are like back when we get back to normal so if you ever come through detroit um hit us up we'd be happy to have you out to do that oh, yeah i'd love to and uh i'll have to check out your episode with becky i listened to the the p daddy one was really cool oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah the, the um the one with becky was good because i mean a lot of it was just nerding out me just like being super jealous of the band she's worked with like she worked with the early november who's like i ace enders is like my my idol you know like i was just I was just, a lot of it is just me nerding out over shit that she's done, but nice. it's very it's very informative too. Um, yeah, cool. it's definitely a good one. And but um, yeah. So I'll have you just like plug like your social medias or like YouTube channel or wherever you want people to to go and like find your band real quick. Um, yeah, we're at Sundress Band on everything. Um, thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the record, and um, hopefully we'll see y'all on tour sometime. Hell yeah, dude. There you have it, ladies and gents, and otherwise. Um, that was Sundressed, well, their lead singer anyways. And I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you want to check us out um, on social media, at Invite the Neighbors, on Instagram, at ITNPod, on Twitter. Um, a website with all of our archives of all our episodes. I mean, they're all on Spotify, but if you want to check out our website, it's invitetheneighbors.blubrry.com dot net um patreon.com slash invite the neighbors follow us on all on spotify or subscribe on whatever streaming platform you use so you never miss an episode tell a friend about it hit us up in the dms on social media if you have any questions or guests that you want to see or tips on how to improve the podcast or if you just want to give us a shout out um much appreciated so thanks for listening guys